This is the Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg, presented by the All-American Auto Group, the number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. Well, welcome. Saturday morning, 9870 ESPN. It is the Hockey Show. And we have three locals here. One stands out from the rest, and that is the New York Rangers. Hockey Show brought to you by the All-American Auto Group at locations in Paramus, Hackensack, Old Bridge, and Point Pleasant. And Slomans, call 1-800-ALARM-ME to receive a free doorbell camera with the installation of your Sloman shield. Keep your family safe. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME. So the Rangers, two games this week, two wins this week. We'll hear from the head coach, Gerard Gallant. Mark Messier was on the Michael K. Show a couple days back. We'll hear from uh, the captain, as it would be. We have a giveaway, and I'd like to start with the giveaway, and then later on this segment, revisit the giveaway to give everyone a chance on this Saturday morning. Autograph New York Rangers stick to giveaway. Very easy to enter. Text GOAL, G-O-A-L, to 44202. Again, that's GOAL to 44202. We'll select a winner at random. Send them a signed stick. All from your home for the hookup, 98.7 ESPN. So a light week for the Rangers, but a very successful week for the Rangers as well. Sunday, six days ago, five o'clock start up in Ottawa. Rangers road trip, fall behind like they had been doing a lot of late. Let's be fair. one nothing at 4.52 of the first period. But at 7.27 of the first period, Ryan Strom with the goal. Schneider and Panarin with the helpers ties the game at one and then Panarin on the power play his 14th of the season from Zabinijad and Strom those are your helpers makes it 2-1 at 9-14 of the second all the scoring there was Rangers hang on they get the win Shesterkin 29 saves on 30 shots and this has now become the theme this is now kind of what the Rangers are they can score well on the power play they have a lot of talent. They're a gritty team. Their defense has played well. They have a couple of superstars. And their goaltending, their net minding is nothing short of sensational. So they beat the Senators last Sunday, six days ago, by the final of 2-1. Gotten a point in every game out of the All-Star break. And then on Thursday night of this week, I think it's fair to say a litmus test. Because Thursday And today are the two games that you look at and you say, Rangers need to play well and get points. And Thursday night at the Garden, and I was there, and it was a phenomenal scene. And you know there's no love lost between these two organizations. The Rangers, see, it it felt closer than the final score, but the Rangers were clearly the better team. And it goes back to the X factor, and that is the goaltender. Shesterkin is nothing short of sensational. And now you start to see, and I don't know that this is a you know a, a passing ship or this is what you're going to see, Lafreniere is beginning to play better hockey. So here's how it went down on Thursday night at the Garden against the Caps. First period uh, on a really pretty pass from Lafreniere, and Zach Jones gets an assist as well. Zabinijad, five-hole, big goal, one nothing at 12.57 of the first. And then it felt kind of like the Rangers, who don't typically score first in their games, it kind of felt like the Rangers, I think it's fair to say, kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit. Like they were motivated, they were energized, then they lost some of that focus, and Washington, I think for, for, for quite a bit of the game, got the better of play. 
But late stage of the second period, I thought, which was the goal that really changed the dynamic of the game, Lafreniere, his 11th of the season, was a shot by Lindgren, deflected into the net, 2 nothing, end of two periods, and the Rangers coasted from there. Kreider with another goal, his 34th of the year at 6.57 of the third. Um, Goodrow with his 11th of the season, a two-on-one off a pass from Kevin Rooney, made it 4 nothing, And really the only thing that was in doubt at that point was Will Shesterkin get the shutout. He did for just about 59 minutes, but old nemesis Alex Ovechkin scores a goal to make it 4-1. All in all, though, a very happy fan base at the Garden on Thursday of this past week. Your three stars, Lafreniere with a goal and an assist is one. Shesterkin, 36 saves on 37 shots is two. And Zabinijad is your third star of the game with a goal and an assist. So the Rangers, again, every game since the All-Star break, they've gotten a point. And the worst result they had was the uh, the shootout loss to Detroit, where they still at least got a point. And then coming up, huge game today. And we'll look at that a little bit later during the course of the hockey show here on the Saturday morning. Let's hear from the head coach, Gerard Gallant. Did you feel like this is kind of brewing? Because again, big goal, big assist. Do you feel like this has been brewing for Lafreniere? Yeah, definitely. He's played better hockey the last 20 games for sure. I really like the way he plays. He competes hard and he wasn't getting the goals he wanted, but uh, tonight was a big game for him. He, uh, I think he had a goal and assist. I'm not, not positive that, but I think so. And so he, he's played, but he's played better hockey. So he's getting more chances and he's playing better hockey and playing a, you know, a 200 foot game. And that's what we like. Remember, still, still, I mean, a baby, right? Second year in the league, and and this is probably the best that he's played. And again, he did. He had a pretty pass to Zabinijad on the first goal, and then he deflected um, the second goal. So, you know, he was really had his hand in a lot in that game, and he continues to get better in year two for the Rangers. Now, more Gerard Gallant. Did your, your play in the defensive zone allow your team to create some offense against Washington? Definitely. Uh, you know, as a coach, you're, you're watching the first period and I'm saying, you know, we're doing a real good job in the D zone. We're not giving them a whole lot, but we didn't create a whole lot in our forecheck either. But I was happy with the way the game was played. I thought we were, everybody was ready to play and mentally focused for that game. And it was a big game. I mean, Washington's a good hockey team and they're right in position with us. So, uh, you know, I thought the guys came out and they're really mentally ready to play the game. These are huge swings. Right. I mean, heading into this game, Washington was four points behind the Rangers. Rangers have a couple of game, uh, games in hand. They win, now all of a sudden it's two. You win, now it's six. And now you start to put some distance between yourself and a team that, I mean, you don't want to wind up with a wild card. You don't want to take on one of these, these, I mean, there's no weak link in the Eastern Conference to begin with, but you don't want to take on one of these beasts of a team. Florida in the first round, you, you don't want any part of that. Carolina in the first round, you want to, if you can, have home ice advantage. And the Rangers continue to play very solid hockey. I just mentioned it. Here's the coach. How important was this win against Washington? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you always look at the standings. And then again, I, I said earlier today, I, I said I like to look at the teams ahead of us instead of the teams behind us. So we're, we're worried about climbing in the standing and winning games. But again, it doesn't, uh, you know, you just want to get points, put points in the bank and you know, hopefully down the road, you, you know, you're going to get the, as high as you can. That, that's the goal. That That's the goal. Play the important games at home. But if you look at this East, I mean, you could argue that there's how many teams come, come out of the Eastern Conference? Five right now? Maybe. Right. Florida, Carolina, maybe knock on wood, the Rangers. Certainly Tampa Bay. Is Boston that kind of a team? Is Pittsburgh that team? At least four, maybe more. It is so completely wide open right now in the Eastern Conference. Now, 
If you remember, opening night, um, Rangers and, and Washington was was a disaster. They looked they looked out of their element. They were kind of dominated on the road in Washington. Here's the head coach Gerard Gallant. Can you see progress since that that first game against these Capitals? Yeah, no, we're we're playing better hockey. We're I think the guys are confident in their team, and uh, you know you believe you're a pretty good hockey team. But again, it's one game tonight. Uh, I think it helps us against Washington mentally. That our team we didn't play well the first game against them. They pretty well dominated us, and then tonight you know to play against that team and play the way we did, I think the guys feel good about it. But again, it's one game, and we got to move on and get ready for a real good Pittsburgh team. Real good Pittsburgh team, which will be uh, a game you can hear right here uh, at 2.30 today on 98.7 ESPN. All right, we move on from Gerard Gallant. Let's look at, at Mika Zibanejad, what he has to say. And he he scored his 20th of the season in that game on Thursday night against Washington as well and continues to be just one of the key components to this club. How big of a win was that for your club? Here's Mika. I try to say every game is a big game, but sorry. Uh, but definitely uh, when we haven't seen that many teams in our division, um, and, and uh, these are big games, especially again when we haven't seen them in a while. Um, that's uh, that's a good win. That is a good win. And again, any game where you're going up against a team that you're competing against, it's a four point swing, and the Rangers get two, Washington gets nothing, and now you have another one of these games later today. So we hear from Gallant or Gallant, we hear from Zabinajad, and now we'll take a listen to what Mark Messier, the captain, right, if I say the captain, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Mark Messier, the guarantee, the whole thing, still absolutely beloved by the Rangers fans. So he was a guest on Thursday of this past week, I believe, on the Michael K Show, and I think this is a fair question, because I think everyone needs to be asked this. This is quick. Nobody really thought we'd be here so quickly. Is this Rangers team surprising to you? Here's Messier. Well, I picked the Rangers to win their division this year. Uh, I like a lot of the moves that they made in the offseason. I think everybody is recognizing that Shesterkin is a superstar in this league. you got a Norris Trophy winner on defense. They're starting to remind me a little bit of uh, the team in 94 with Victor Annette and Brian Leach on defense. And, of course, they got some skill up front, and then they uh, supplemented them with some guys that can play a hard, grinding, heavy game. And they're an easy team to like. I love watching them play. I love uh, Gallant and the job that he's doing. they got great energy, it seems, when you watch them uh, they seem to be playing for each other and there's a lot to like about the rangers impressive he he thought this was a division winning team heading into the season is a, a heck of a pick that's that's first off and second off and see i don't want to put myself here not if you're a rangers fan i don't know if you agree with me or not i don't want to start thinking about this reminds you of the 94 team that first of all it's a once in a lifetime kind of team it slayed the dragon. They had one in 54 years, and they were unbelievable. I mean, absolutely unbelievable. And had some of the greatest, most iconic moments in the history of New York sports on that run. I'm nervous to allow myself to go there because that was a team. I mean, you look at the veteran presence on that team. You had Bukaboom. You had Kevin Lowe, you had Richter, you had Graves, you had Tikkanen, you had Messier, you had Leach. I mean, you had so many guys that were so advanced in their career. This team doesn't have that same kind of, you know, guys that have been through the battles over and over and over. And this is the infant stages, you would think, of this run. That team had the expectation that they should win a cup. That was that, was that level of team. This team, maybe it's me. I'm, I'm not there yet. All right, back to Messier. From this team, from where we are now, who's impressed you the most of this club? 
the totality of the team, to be honest with you. Obviously, Shesterkin has uh, just emerged as a, as a monster. His statistics are just unrivaled. They're incredible, to be honest with you. You know, you look at the Rangers, uh, you know, I had expected them maybe to score a little bit more 5-5 five and five and their goal differential to be a little bit higher. As you see, some of the better teams at the top of the standings are, like, you know, plus 50, plus 60 in goal differential. The Rangers are starting to creep up there now. Uh, they're starting to score more at even strength. and, and, and But, uh, you know, I, I just think Keander Miller is just scratching the surface of his potential. And Truba has played incredible. I don't think anybody thought that Truba was going to be able to play the kind of hockey and provide the leadership that he has this year. So I'm really liking a lot about the, the Rangers and their young defense. And Schneider coming in has just been, you know, he's going to play 15 years and be that uh, rock steady guy that you can trust game in and game out. So that, of course, is Messier saying he's liking pretty much everything uh, with the way this club looks now outside of scoring goals five on five. But again, and this is what you have to realize, we're sitting here on February 26th. This is not a finished product. The trade deadline is still a full three plus weeks away. So before you, well, five on five, they don't do this. This is not what the team will look like when they get to the postseason. It is not that. I promise you. All right. I also promised you we would revisit the giveaway, and let's do that. We have an autographed Rangers stick to give away. It's very easy to enter. Just text GOAL, G-O-A-L, to 44202. Again, that's GOAL to 44202. We'll select a winner at random. Send them the stick, all from your home for the hookup. Your good friends right here on 98.7 ESPN. So that's kind of our look at the Rangers. We'll, later in the show, we'll look at what they have coming up uh, this upcoming week. But the Islanders, last week discussed, are in a position where they have to get two points every single game, basically. Have they done that? We'll look at the Islanders. And the Devils are not going to the playoffs. We know that. But can they help the Rangers out a little bit? We'll get to that. And again, uh, a passing in local hockey needs to be discussed. Emil Francis passed away at the age of 95. We'll get the thoughts of Pete Stamkowski on that and look ahead to this upcoming week for the locals. All that and more on a Saturday morning. It's Rothenberg with you. It's the Hockey Show right here on 98.7 ESPN. Today's Hockey Heart Spotlight shines on the Henrik Lundqvist Foundation. Created by the future Hall of Fame netminder and his wife, the foundation strives to create positive change in the lives of children and adults throughout the world via education and health services. Partnered with the Ronald McDonald House Charities, Food Bank of New York, and others, the foundation reflects the very best in what a professional athlete can do for a community. Make a save of your own by going to hlundquistfoundation.com and donating to this world-class organization. Hockey Heart Spotlight is brought to you by the law offices of Andrew M. Cohn. For two decades, providing high-end legal services for families who have a child with a disability. The power play is to call 516-877-0595 or go to the web at amcohenlaw.com. Back to the Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg. Presented by the All-American Auto Group. The number one Ford Auto Group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. All right, it is a Saturday morning. We've covered the Rangers beautifully, if you want an an honest, objective uh, analysis. And now we turn our attention to the Islanders. And and last Saturday morning, when we addressed the Islanders, I I believe the sentiment was they, they need to win basically... 
every game they play. And then the games that they're playing teams that they have a chance to catch, they not only need to win, they need to win without that go game going to overtime or a shootout. So were the Islanders successful this past week over, let's say realistically, six points on the table? You say you got to get a minimum of five, right? Maybe you can leave one point on the table. Well, did the Islanders do that? Let's find out. Now, last Sunday, six days ago from right now, a team that they should beat, new head coach, fine, but still a team that the Islanders should beat. Not a lot of wins on the season. Montreal paid a visit to UBS Arena. How did that play out? First period, 9-0-1. Jeff Petrie with the goal, making it one nothing for the Canadians, the visitors. Then early in the second, Kyle Palmieri on the power play from Bailey and Parisi scores to make it 1-1. Then Josh Anderson with a minute 11 to go in the second period scores for the visitors to make it 2-1. Late stages, third period, Brock Nelson, his 17th of the year, ties it at 2 uh, Aho and Bellows with the helpers, and now the Islanders tied the game. They go through overtime, it goes to a shootout, and the Islanders cannot win in the shootout. Actually scored the first goal of the shootout and did not play out well from then on. Islanders lose that one by the score of 3-2. to two. So you look at that game and you think to yourself, that's and really, as, as devastating a loss as, as almost you can have, because you're home, you're playing the Canadians who, I get it, maybe they're a little you know, rejuvenated since they've brought in Marty St. Louis, but that's a terrible team. When you need points so desperately, you have to find a way to get the points. So you leave a point on the table against Montreal. And then next up was the, the Kraken. On the road, a team that had blanked you at home a couple weeks back. Now, how did this play out for the Islanders? Much better. First period, Nelson, goal, 18th, Pavillier and Pulak with the helpers, one nothing, Isles. 2 nothing, Isles at 17-19, Zach Parise with the goal, Dobson and Barzell with the assist, 2 nothing. Palmieri with a goal in the second at 5-34, makes it 3 nothing. Sezikis, his fifth of the season, makes it 4 nothing. A couple of goals from Seattle, late empty netter from Parise, makes it 5-2, and that is your final score. So you, you got a little little revenge, I guess you could say. Islanders with a big win on the road and that five of six points that they needed this week. You know what? Still a real possibility. And now it brings you to needing a win in San Jose on Thursday night. And it started out well. At 14.56 of the first, Brock Nelson, another gold, 19th. Mayfield and Bellows with the helpers makes it one nothing. But by the end of the first period... 2-1 San Jose has the lead, and you trail if you're the Islanders. But they come back. In the second, Parisi scores, makes it 2-2. Aho and Barzell with the helpers there. But then San Jose scores to make it 3-2. Late stages second, Adam Pellick with the goal, makes it 3-3. No scoring in the third. No scoring in the overtime, 3-on-3. Three three. And then we go to a shootout. And here's how it sounded. The final call right here on 98.7 ESPN from Chris King. So now Brock Nelson must score to extend it for the Islanders, trailing 1-0 into round three. Nelly 0-2 in the shootout. A goal tonight is 19th of the year. Picks it up at the red. Drifts left over the San Jose line. Reimer out above the crease. Nelly shoots. Reimer got a piece of it. It trickled wide right of the goal. And the San Jose Sharks defeat the New York Islanders by the final score of 4-3 in the 
Very disappointing for the Islanders. 4-3 in the shootout is the final. You hear the excitement out there in San Jose. You hear the call from Chris King right here on 98.7 ESPN. So of those six points, we say a minimum of five, and the Islanders get four, which ordinarily you would say with two games on the road and against a, a you know an improved Montreal team, not the end of the world, in the position the Islanders are in, Really kind of unacceptable at the moment. We'll, we'll get you exactly where the Islanders stand at the moment in a moment. But let's hear from the head coach of the Isles first. Here's Barry Trott's thoughts on the game, the loss to San Jose. I thought the first five minutes, which this building is known for, they, they like to jump on you quick. I thought they did, and then I thought our game stabilized. We were fine in the first. I think we were very good in the second. I thought we were great in the third, and I thought we were fantastic in the overtime, and we just didn't get a – we had a couple posts. We had a – you know, they got a real timely save, great move by Brock. I, I There's not too many things I can say that were negative. It might have been our best game of the year, and, um, you know, we didn't get the two points, but we deserved the two points, and, you know, you can walk away from games like this, and if you play you know to that that level every night you get point a lot of points so I, I we were we were really good we just hockey gods didn't bless us tonight but you can walk out of here feeling that you played a real strong game and and we did and I think we had season high I think 47 shots scoring chances are probably almost 30 uh, which is extremely high there wasn't any passengers there was there was a complete team effort uh, you know, you hear Barry Trotz, and it, it, it's hard to have a negative with the team's performance other than you needed the two points and, and you didn't get the two. You only got the one. But, I mean, he's right. I mean, you, you outshot San Jose 47-28. And here, here's a problem. And here, here in lies the difference in the game. Islanders on the power play 0 for 3. San Jose on the power play 2 for 2. You don't, you don't have to look much past that. Here is Barry Trotz, his thoughts on the power play for the Isles. They're a very good penalty killing team. I mean, they're they're high pressure. I think they're number three or four in the league, maybe five. They're top five all the time. They're very good, and it's hard. They they come with a lot of pressure, and we move the puck. Uh, you know, you have to make four or five plays before you can you know you can get it uh, sometimes to the net. And you know, it didn't prevent us from getting momentum. Uh, you know, sometimes power plays can prevent the momentum. It it didn't really have uh, I don't think any effect. But we the third one was pretty good. Their power play hit on on two they were two for two and uh, you know that was at the end of the day that was probably a little bit of the difference maker our five on five game was 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 much better i thought than theirs over the you know the 60 minutes uh, their special teams obviously the power play hit twice and then they've got a very good power play so that was that'd be the, the one negative tonight for me the rest of the game was as i said pretty solid they played well, but, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you didn't get the two points that you desperately needed. You did get a return of uh, Oliver Wallstrom in, in this game, and the head coach of the Isles, Barry Trotz, thinks that was a, a big, important piece to his team playing so well. For the most part, I, I thought, you know, part of it is a little bit of, uh, we've been working on a couple of, of concepts uh, we felt that we, we not got away from that I think can help us, and I, I thought we, we stuck to the principles a little bit better today. And, you know, all, I thought uh, for Wally, I thought he actually had a pretty slow start. I had a little bit of catching up to do. I thought his game got a little bit better as the game went on. But he's, I wouldn't say it was one of his, his better games, but, uh, you know, he's missed a, uh, a little bit of time here. And uh, I thought as the game went on, he was better, but uh, the first period it was a little bit of a struggle for him. So, yeah, we'll need him to score. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't scored a lot in a while here, but uh, we'll need him, and it was good to get him back in for sure. Now, the game against San Jose signified a, a, 
a moment in NHL history which might live for a very long time. No defenseman in hockey history has now played more games than Zdeno Chara. It was Chris Chelios. It is no longer Chris Chelios. So despite the loss, it was one for the record books. Here is Barry Trotz on Chara playing the most games in hockey history for a defenseman. I'm honored to have an opportunity to coach him. I know what he's accomplished uh, in terms of his career and in uh, playing the most games ever in the, by a defenseman in the National Hockey League. It's pretty special, and the, uh, the guys wanted to, wanted to get it for him. There's no question. But that aside, you look at, I thought he was excellent tonight. I thought he was physical, and he even stood you know, and not stood up for his teammates, but he, he got involved with, uh, with someone who was acting up a little bit fought and our bench got energy from that he's done that for i don't know how many years and he continues to do it and and that that's the special part of everything he got our bench fired up and i I think there's just so much respect for him in terms of a a person and a player and uh, there is no question he's you know a first ballot hall of fame player but he's a hall of fame person He's 44 years old, and Chara played in his 1,000. I mean, think about this for a moment. You just say these numbers so willy-nilly of 1,500, 300, 1,652nd career game, breaking the all-time mark for defensemen, and, and who knows how far this goes. Who, who knows how far this goes? But tremendous respect from really everybody around the NHL for a record that is a long time coming for Zdeno Char. Where are the Islanders now in the Eastern Conference? Uh, it's a slog. It, it really is. They've played 47 games. They're 19, 20, and 8. 46 points on the season. And they are 18 points, which is a big number out of a playoff spot. Now, The one positive you can take is they have four games in hand. But even if you win all four of those games and you're the Islanders, you're still 10 points behind Boston. So to say it's an uphill battle would be a tremendous, tremendous understatement. So that's the week that was for the Islanders. Not a very busy week for the Devils, but was it a successful week for the Devils? And did it help any teams pushing for a playoff spot here in the New York hockey area. We'll get to that next. The Devils, Pete Stamkowski on Emil Francis, and a look ahead at the week that will be for the locals in the NHL. All that is next right here on The Hockey Show on 98.7 ESPN. Andy from Merrick presents today's Defensive Analytics, sponsored by Slomans, the leader in home defense. Nothing sends defensive hockey like shutting out your opponent. The Islanders' Ilya Sorokin and the Rangers' Igor Shosturkin both rank among the league leaders in shutouts so far this year. Now back to The Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg. Presented by the All-American Auto Group. The number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. And the Hockey Show rolls on in this Saturday morning, 98.7 ESPN. Rothenberg with you, leading you up to Joe Wiz uh, at 8 o'clock this morning. And then following that, oh, I'm back from 9 to noon. And then Anita Marks leads you right up to, you guessed it, Rangers hockey against the Penguins at 2.30 on 98.7. So the Devils were not all that busy this past week. 
but they tremendously helped the Rangers on Thursday night. You say, how did they help the Rangers? They went up against the Penguins, and not only did they beat the Penguins, they hammered, hammered the Pittsburgh Penguins in what has to be considered a a, a real, real surprise here. Uh, How did it happen? This game, you could argue, is over seven minutes in. In Pittsburgh, mind you. Bratt scores the goal, his first of the game, obviously, at at 116, uh, 15th of the season. Then he scores again unassisted at 547, making it 2-0. And then Sharon Govich scores his 11th at 644. So you're not even seven minutes into the game. It's 3-0. Then we go to the second period. Dawson Mercer with his 12th. Now Malkin does score on the power play to make it 4-1. But it didn't last for long. Devils make it 5-1 a couple minutes later. And then in the third, 6-1 is your final. In what really was a throttling at the, the hands of the Pittsburgh Penguins. But here's the thing. Okay. Only 22 shots for the Devils in the entire game. And they score six goals. Pittsburgh had 38 shots and scored one. So we talk about the importance of the goaltending. You saw it on display in Pittsburgh in a big, big way. Now, you say, all right, well, who who, who is the netminder for the Devils? Nico Dawes, probably someone you're not all that familiar with. He was phenomenal. Here's the head coach of the Devils, Lindy Ruff, discussing the great performance by Dawes in this game against Pittsburgh. Yeah, I thought Nico was really strong for us, you know, especially in the second period when they, they came with a real hard push and he had four or five, you know, real good saves to, you know, help maintain that big lead we had built up. Uh, he was exceptional in this game. And again, stopping 37 of 38 shots against the team certainly can put the puck into the back of the net. Uh, more from Lindy Ruff. What can a game do like this for, you know, for the confidence for moving forward for so many things for the netminder? Obviously, you should give him a lot of confidence. Uh, his reads were good. You know, he got there. He was quick. I thought uh, his east-west movement was, you know, as good as we've seen this year out of any goaltender. So, I mean, he's got to be uh, pretty happy with himself. And, you know, it's, it's been a long time between games for him at, at the NHL level. And then you got the return of, of Brat, who it didn't take long for that to, to change things, right? I mean, he scored early on. He scored early on again. And Jesper Bratt makes it 2 nothing just minutes into the game. Here is Lindy Ruff discussing how good it was, and it was certainly, uh, for Bratt to get back into the lineup for the Devils. Well, we were all worried about an eight-day break and, you know, how you manage it, how, how hard you practice, the time off. I thought, you know, looking back now, we did the right thing, went hard for a couple of days. We gave them their rest period, you know, took another day, and we tried to stay to a routine that we were familiar with. So, you know, in his case, with not playing and then taking some extra days, although I think he skated a couple of those days, you know, I felt his game was, was on cue. So Devils led this game 4 nothing. And I I guess if there was going to be a moment of that, uh uh-oh, right, of that moment of is this thing going to fall apart, Malkin scored at 11-13 of the second period. So he had a a full half game to go, right? Uh And uh, all of a sudden you're in a 4-1 game. But it didn't matter because two and a half minutes later, Severinsen scores to make it uh, five to one, and it really kind of spiraled from there for Pittsburgh. Here is Lindy Ruff on his team, not wavering after Pittsburgh did light the lamp for their only time in the game. Yeah, well, you know, I think what we saw 
you know, the Penguins, the start of the second period was real good. I mean, they came at us hard. They gambled. They had five men in on the offense. Uh, they were pinching both walls. You know, as soon as we made a mistake, they were they were creating an opportunity. Uh, you know, if we could have made a couple plays or broke up a couple plays, there's a good chance we would have created some offense. But you got to give them credit. They were going to try to get back in the game. And, you know, when you push that hard and you win the battles that they were winning, you're going to have to ask for some saves. But I thought the answer to that late in the period and all third period was we settled right down. We got back in position. We won more battles, and I thought eventually we took some of their life away. So there you have it. I mean, just a, a really a terrific job by the Devils in this game against Pittsburgh. And I think one of the keys for Lindy Ruff, and he'll explain it to us right here, is his team didn't sit back with that three-goal lead. They were not complacent. They went to score more. Here's Lindy Ruff. You know, it just seems that there's a, there's a lot of games in the league that uh, even a three-goal lead doesn't seem that safe. So in our case, we knew that we wanted to continue to play our game, and we wanted all four lines going. I thought all four lines contributed. We're in on good opportunities, and, you know, to bounce back right after their goal was really important for us. Uh, special teams. We talked about it. We've talked about it with all these teams, right? We talked about it with the Rangers and and the five on five and heard Mark Messier discuss it earlier uh, in the show today about how that's been something that's a bit of a concern. And maybe one of the few concerns for the Rangers is that they've not been great five on five and the power plays kind of carried them to score some of their goals. And we talked about it earlier and heard from Barry Trotz, San Jose, perfect on the power play. And you, you look at the uh, the Islanders, they were they were not good in that game on Thursday against San Jose. And now you look to the Devils. See, it's no it's no coincidence that the better your special teams are, the more success you're going to have in this league. And the Devils had five chances at the power play, scored two goals. That is a huge reason. Here is Lindy Ruff with his team's power play success against Pittsburgh. You know, I'll go back, and, I, and I've gone back to the time we put Bass in front of the net, put Bash in there. You go back to mid-December, use the December 15th, our power play's been running at a clip that uh, would put us in the top 10 of the league, and we work hard on it. We work hard on it every day, and we're going to continue to work hard on it every day, and uh, if we can maintain that, you know, we're going to continue to climb in the league, and we're, it's going to help us win hockey games. I think one of the the nice things for the Devils is, see, the Islanders still seem to feel, and because of what they were last year and what they are this year, that there's some kind of a a chance to make a run and get into the postseason. It's very unlikely. I think everyone would agree with that, but some kind of a chance. The Devils have no chance. The Devils are playing out the string. And you say, well, that's a negative. It's a negative, but is it? Because when you really think about it, there's no pressure. So you can, you know, play Dawes in goal. You can experiment with certain things. It's not all we, no matter what, come hell or high water, we have to get two points out of this game. If we lose, but we learn things about, you know, Jack Hughes or whatever, whoever the player happens to be, or we bring up a kid that we want to see what he's able to look like, maybe the Islanders don't have that luxury that the Devils do at the moment. So I I know that as a Devils fan, it's frustrating where your team is right now at this moment, but think big picture. Don't think of exactly what's happening at this exact moment. So that's kind of my my 411 on where we are with the Devils um, right now. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll hear from Pete Stemkowski. Of course, does a lot of Rangers games, right, as the color analyst. And why will we hear from Pete Stemkowski? Because Emil Francis, a, a life long lived, 95 years old, passes away. Uh, this past week. We want to take a couple minutes to kind of reflect on that. And then, of course, in our final segment as well, we look ahead to the week that is going to be for the three locals, the Islanders, the Rangers, and, of course, 
the devil. So you go nowhere. Hang with us. We'll be back in, in just a moment to put a big bow on another edition of the Hockey Show. It is Rothenberg with you on a Saturday morning right here on 98.7 ESPN. Let's get a little extra money in your pocket. Andy from Eric presents your wager picks for February 26th and 27th. The New York Rangers visit Pittsburgh this afternoon, and I would expect a high-scoring game. Sunday, those same Rangers host Vancouver, and I think that will be too much for the blue shirts to handle on a back-to-back basis. Go with the banged-up Canucks on the money line. Elsewhere, the Islanders continue their West Coast swing with back-to-back games against the Kings and the Ducks. Look for the offensively challenged Islanders to keep both games low-scoring. Bet the under with confidence. Andy from Merrick's Wager Plays are for entertainment only. As always, bet with your head, not with your heart. Gambling problem? Dial 877-8-HOPE-NY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. Now back to The Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg. Presented by the All-American Auto Group. The number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. It is the Hockey Show here on a Saturday morning. Rothenberg with you, 98.7 ESPN. And we're brought to you by Slowman's. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME to receive a free doorbell camera at the installation of your Slowman Shield. Keep your family safe. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME. Uh, iconic people pass away all the time. Uh, and some of them are are with a New York flavor. And this one could not have more of a New York flavor. Uh, Emile Francis last weekend passed away at the age of 95. And I think it's fair that if you're of a certain age, you've heard the name but don't really know a lot about Emile Francis. Most wins as a head coach in the history of the New York Rangers. Was it was a netminder, played for years and years and years. I mean, I could sit here and rattle off everywhere he played. It must be 20 different teams. In fact, played with the Rangers for, I think it was like 14 games. It was 4-7-3 and three in those 14 games but really made his mark as a as kind of an evaluator of talent and a head coach. He was the Rangers GM from 1964 through 1976 and really was the Rangers head coach for the most part outside of a, a little moment here or there that he wasn't from 1965 through 1975. And then he was the head coach and, and GM of the uh, of the St. Louis Blues and then, well into the 80s, as a matter of fact, was the GM of, of currently, you know them as the Carolina Hurricanes, formerly of the Hartford Whalers. But led the Rangers to the postseason uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight consecutive seasons. Um, in fact, the Rangers lost in the uh, Stanley Cup Finals 1971-72, um, and they were led by Emile Francis. So passes away at the age of 95, and... And Pete Stemkowski, who does, you know, pre and post for a lot of Rangers games here and, of course, played for um, Emile Francis, had a lot to say about his former coach and GM. And here is Stemmer discussing the passing of Emile Francis. You know, I had him as a coach uh, for a number of years here at, uh, with the New York Rangers. And, you know, I, I, I got into the National Hockey League in the mid-60s. Mm-hmm. So I've been in, involved in this game in some capacity, whether it's a player, whether it's a broadcaster, or just as a spectator. And I met a lot of people on and off the ice. And I'll tell you something, and i got to say that when I have to pick the top ten of the best people that I've ever met in this game, and there's been a lot of them, he's in the top five. He was just a class individual, whether it was behind the bench or whether it was away from the 
the bench. He cared for his players a great deal. There are things that he did for players away from the rink that have never been publicized that I know about because that's the kind of a guy he was. He put that ahead of any wins or any losses, anything like that. So the true character, you hear it right there from, from Stemmer on Emil Francis. And, and something else that we have to get into, you know, hockey current day is obviously a big deal. It wasn't always like that. There, there were no devils. There were no Islanders, and it was only the Rangers. And there was a, 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 real, a long time the Rangers were a bad organization. Well, here is Pete Stemkowski saying that Emil Francis really responsible for growing hockey in the New York metro area. When he came to New York, way, 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 way back when, uh, he, he saw what was happening in, in the New York area. I mean, there weren't any kids playing hockey, and the tennis was down. So I guess he figured, look, if I get these kids involved in hockey, their parents are going to go to the game, then that's going to just continue, and they'll start going to the hockey games. And what he did is he started the Metropolitan Division with a fellow named Norman McLean. He started small, and they, it built up and built up to what it, it, it is today. And that you got to credit Emil Francis for, for jump-starting that, and, and look, look what happened. You know, hockey is flourishing for the youngsters here in the New York area. It certainly is. I mean, you know, Jack Hughes, right? I mean, you got, you got Adam Fox. I mean, you can go on and on and on with the locals that have now made themselves uh, stars in this league. Uh, let, let's hear um, on, on building up Long Beach. And, and really, Long Beach was kind of like that Rangers second home. All the Rangers players used to live out in Long Beach and then travel into the city for the games. But that was, that was kind of Rangers central. And here is Stemmer discussing uh, Emil Francis really helped build the Long Beach arena. We live in Long Beach, New York, and we practiced there for a number of years. And when I got traded to the New York Rangers, we practiced in Hillside Avenue at Skateland in, in New mm-hmm. High Park. And that was about a 45-minute ride from Long Beach, where we lived. And what Emil got together with the people of Nassau County and of Long Beach, hey, let's get some money together. We have the property here. Let's build an arena in Long Beach. Now, that arena stands there today. It's called the Long Beach Arena. And I am publicly saying right now that the city of Long Beach should look at that and call that the Emil Francis uh, Arena because he built it. That's where, instead of, we live lived in Long Beach. We practiced in Long Beach. And I think that was one of the reasons why we had some success because the guys all lived together, you know, on and off the ice. We, we associated with each other. And there, there you have it. So some kind of reflection on uh, on Emil Francis, who passed away last weekend at the age of, of 95 for someone that played for him. And you hear the emotion uh, from Pete Stemkowski. All right, let's take a look at the upcoming schedule presented by the All-American Auto Group with locations in Paramus. Hackensack, Old Bridge, and Point Pleasant, the number one Ford auto group in the Northeast, allamericanford.net. The Rangers coming off what wasn't a very busy week, but this one, in fact, will be. Today, 2.30, on the road, huge game against the Pittsburgh Penguins, four-point swing kind of a game. You can hear that game right here on 98.7 ESPN. Now, the Rangers played twice this past week. They played twice in two days. Today, in Pittsburgh, tomorrow, Back at the Garden against Vancouver, 7 o'clock right here, 98.7 ESPN. Wednesday, over on 10.50 a.m., and that's against the Blues, 7 o'clock at the Garden. And then Friday, home to the Devils, 6.30 pregame, and you can catch that one over on 10.50 a.m. So on the road today in Pittsburgh, home to Vancouver, home to St. Louis, home to the Devils. Islanders also a busy week tonight in L.A. against the Kings. 10 o'clock right here, 98.7 ESPN. Tomorrow night in Anaheim against the Ducks. That's on 10.50 a.m. at 8 o'clock. Tuesday, the road trip continues in Colorado. Good luck with that one against the Avalanche, who are red hot. That game, 8.30 on 10.50. And then Thursday, 
uh, back at UBS Arena, 7 o'clock against the Canucks, a game you can hear right here on 98.7 ESPN. So four games for the Rangers, four games for the Islanders, little lighter for the Devils uh, Monday. So they're off this weekend. Monday, home against the Canucks. So the Canucks get all the locals this week. They're at that... Um, the Garden, UBS, and out in New Jersey as well. Uh, Monday, Canucks, 7.30. Then Tuesday, the Devils travel to Columbus to take on the Blue Jackets. And then, like we mentioned, Friday, 6.30, Devils visit the Garden to take on the New York Rangers, a game you can hear, of course, on 10.50 a.m. So Rangers, four games, Islanders, four games, Devils, three, and we'll do all this again one week from today, next Saturday morning. All right. Big thanks have to go out there. Anthony Pusick Just makes Yarkin? the show. No, not to Shesterkin. To Anthony Pusick, who makes the show work seamlessly. Does phenomenal, phenomenal work. Raymond Dinahan does a phenomenal job as well. Andy from Merrick, our executive producer. Sensational stuff. And all of you, we thank you for listening to the Hockey Show as well. If you've had enough of me, I'm sorry to tell you, I'm back at 9 o'clock right after Joe Wiz this morning on 98.7 ESPN. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your hockey. We'll do it again one week from today, next Saturday morning at 7 o'clock, right here on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for listening to The Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg, presented by the All-American Auto Group, the number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net.